Sarah, Sarah, guess what? What? You know that I'm always looking for this Larry bloke and I struggle to sleep at night. Right. Right, well, I was doing some research on the old Google the other day and I found out when 70-year-olds, they asked a bunch of them and when they were quizzed <laughs> about some of their happiest moments, one of the top ones was having a baby. No way. Why? Well, that's a weird coincidence because we've got your childhood friend Zach on today who recently had a baby. He's just had a baby. What are the chances of that, eh? What are the chances? This is Who's Larry? Hey, Zach. How are you, mate? Thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, how are you? I'm good. So, I don't know how much you know, but we're on a little um, a little Easter egg hunt at the minute. You know when people say, happy as Larry? Mm. Do you know who that is? No. Who is Larry? Well, that's exactly what we're trying to find out. So, who do you think Larry is, Zach? I think I just picture, like, a a bus driver that used to drive us around at school. And he always seemed quite happy. Um, and I, you wanted to ask him, but you thought it might be rude to bother him when he was at work. Like, what's going on, mate? Why are you so happy? It's just a bus. It's just a bus. Nothing to be happy about. Yeah. What's the secret? Wait, I think I remember. I think his name actually was Larry. Yeah, yeah, it was Larry the bus driver. Oh my god! So he's a bus driver. We've worked it out. We found him. <laughs> Sack me off. That's it. The podcast's over. We know who Larry is now. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, thanks for the interview. Anyway, Zach. See you later, mate. <laughs> See you later. Cheers, guys. <laughs> no, I thought um, I thought you'd be a wicked guest to have because we've been having um, lots of chats recently, and some of the chats we have are kind of along the same lines of kind of being happy and kind of getting into a good headspace and stuff like that. So I thought it'd be good to talk about that because a couple of things have happened to you recently that are big life changes. Well, I think the biggest change is I've got a seven-week-old baby downstairs. That's probably the biggest change that could happen to to anyone. And people would tell me that before, that is the biggest thing that would happen to you. It's going to change you straight away. And you think, of course, yeah, it would. you know what I mean? Like, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm I'm hard as nails. I know what I'm doing. I know what it's all about. But yeah, it has. It's really changed my whole perspective and outlook, and probably makes everything before I had a baby seem a bit um, just not as important, I suppose. Pointless, would you say? Not. Po- <laughs> yeah, maybe my life's only had a my life's only had a point to it for the last seven. But weeks. they do say that. Like when you have a baby, it puts everything into perspective. Did you did you feel like that? Well, a liberating thing about it that I, I think maybe people might think is a negative, but but it isn't at all. Is there's not a lot of time to think about yourself, so you don't start the day sort of worrying about oh I've got to do this, I've got to do that. You start the day, what's going on with the baby? What everything revolves around sorting the baby out. But I found that quite nice because I was probably someone who thought probably a bit too much about themselves a bit too much of a worrier and things still get done probably a bit more efficiently so i feel a sense of maybe ego going away and deflating which is quite nice and what what effect would you say that would have on like your general because i've i've he's, he's my godson actually isn't he yeah he is announcement God, that was a terrible idea <laughs> he's a beautiful gorgeous chubby little baby <laughs> he is i don't know what i was thinking and you just look at him and just when he's like gurgling on a little video or a facetime automatically i don't know what it is about babies but it kind of fills your heart and you kind of you just want to smile mm. back anyway but what kind of level of of effect do you think he's had on your happiness yeah it's well there's what i was just saying then but then there's the little things as well like how you know getting up in the morning might be a bit of a 
you've got to sort of train yourself, haven't you? Like, right, come on. As soon as I get up now, I'm just going to get on with my day. But in the morning now, it's more of a, oh, the baby's up. I mean, you're quite excited to go over and see him, even if the morning is three o'clock and it's still dark outside. You know, you're going to have to carry him up and downstairs and change his nappy. It's still quite a nice thing. And he's just so happy to see you all the time. Genuinely happy to see you as well. Not None of that fake stuff that people give you, like you, when I see you. <laughs> none of that fake baby stuff. Yeah. And was there like, um people talk about like the moment and I remember seeing an, uh, an interview with James Gordon. And James Gordon was like, people say that when, when your baby's born, there's that moment and like you just feel this unreal happiness. It's like a, le- a level of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. But he was like, what if I don't feel that? And he was kind of scared. Did you ever have any doubts before that? And then how did you feel when obviously Gabe was born? I actually found that from the moment I knew Emma was pregnant, I was suddenly a lot more emotional. Like There's like an emotional switch. And little things were getting me teary, like other people announcing that they'd had a baby, or I was almost like I was the pregnant woman, like hormonal or something. It was very strange. <laughs> Roles reversed. And then when he was born during the labour, so it took quite a while for whatever reason, and he was a bit late, so that makes you worried. And then the midwife said at one point during the labour, I think in about 15 minutes there'll be a baby here. And I just started getting all welled up. It was like all this built-up emotion from the last nine months. And then he came and I just burst into tears straight away. Straight away. Felt it straight away. Just an, It's like an overwhelming sense of you couldn't love something more, which probably sounds quite cheesy. but No, it's, it's a little um, bit beautiful. Yeah, it really like blew me away. And my partner, Emma, we, we've got... We've got two two other boys. Two, I've got two stepsons, so she's obviously a pro and done it all before. And there was a baby and an umbilical cord, and she was just dead cool. Like, can you just take the baby a minute while we finish up the rest? I'm like crying my eyes out. Yeah, I can take it. It's like with, like I say, like I was the pregnant woman. Very strange. Did you know that men can also experience pregnancy symptoms? This strange phenomenon known as Couvard syndrome or sympathetic pregnancy sees some men experience weight gain, nausea and swelling in tandem with their pregnant partners. That really takes the phrase, I understand what you're going through, to another level. Is there anything that you could compare that moment to? Because obviously it's kind of hard to imagine for someone who hasn't experienced it. So what, what would it compare to in maybe like just a daily normal life? Is there anything that you can compare it to? To describe it to someone, it's kind of like if you try to imagine that the happiest moment of your life, like when you were maybe a child or something, you couldn't control the smile. Like the smile, you know, you know, the like certificate smile when someone gives you a certificate at school and you try and like, your face is going all funny, you try not to grin. <laughs> that feeling, but like t- on steroids times 100, just an uncontrollable happiness. And who knew that you could be so happy that it actually makes you cry your eyes out. And for the next few days afterwards, I'd be cleaning the house up and a thought would pop in my head like, you've got a baby upstairs. And then I'd just start crying my eyes out and it was really weird. (laughs) That moment of incredible happiness that you just mentioned, I think I had it about a year ago when I went to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw Buzz Lightyear in the flesh and I could not be more excited. I honestly got that overwhelming happiness that you feel as a child like I literally felt like five years old are you again. a big Buzz Lightyear fan was oh a... absolutely I love Buzz Lightyear he's just so like cool and and he could fly <laughs> I don't actually know what it was that made me so obsessed with him as a child but 
Um, but yeah, it brought back that happy feeling that maybe you don't have so often as an adult until you give birth. I don't know. <laughs> I, d- I didn't. I didn't know anyone growing up that was like a Buzz fan. I thought everybody loved like Woody. I didn't. I didn't know people liked Buzz. Where we grew up, people were interested in getting a Buzz, but that might be something else. Yeah, that was, that was definitely something else. <laughs> so I think from what you've said. Larry's definitely gonna have to be a dad if he's walking around with a grin from ear to ear. Mm. He's definitely got kids. Yeah, need to talk to me in twenty years when he's swearing at me and telling me I've never done anything for him, and we can show him this, uh, show him this, this podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say not to burst the bubble, but I can imagine Larry isn't so happy when the kids grow up and you know go through the moody teenager phase or something. Yeah. Are there ever any moments that, like even doing like the early morning feeds or like the because the changing of the nappies uh, is something that would scare me a bit is there any points that are just that get you a bit fed up or you're just walking around with a constant buzz buzz <laughs> well the feeds are done by my girlfriend emma because i don't have the facilities i mean you know what i'm getting yeah at. no I, I, yeah i get I it that was a polite way of saying that um perhaps saying that talking about emma perhaps it is just a testament to her. she's a very she's just a very good mum, very cool about everything and never gets like worked up or overwhelmed because that's another thing isn't it people say that it puts an incredible strain on relationships and i haven't felt that at all it's probably made us stronger but people do say becoming a, a parent obviously is one of the best feelings in the world and there's there's always going to be your hard days with it i guess but it, mm. it does kind of give you that that buzz i guess it's it's the circular life in a sense it's the sense of like right we, we're doing this like we're evolving as humans yeah it must also be weird seeing this like actual mini version of you yeah yeah it's quite weird <laughs> but then I he's don't got know bigger if... cheeks in you yeah and i think that'll probably get stranger as we get because obviously now you've seen what he looks like and he'll obviously that'll change and adapt as he gets older but then how weird must it be when he has a little personality and even when it's a something that you don't like about yourself you're like oh no he's got that from me i'm like that learned behavior yeah Yeah, picks up your personality traits um but yeah so so far it's very surreal and but you're probably right the novelty might wear off when we're having to watch 500 hours of peppa pig or something yeah maybe don't do peppa pig (laughs) would you say the happiness that you've been feeling after having your firstborn is as you expected or you know as other people had described it to you a lot of other dads that i know had told me more kind of negative things <laughs> about how it'll be the hardest thing i've ever done it's going to be the most challenging thing i've ever done it's going to put like i said it put incredible pressure on your relationship and a lot of things that haven't happened so i think it's like anything, isn't it? If someone told you you're really, really not going to enjoy something and then you do it and you enjoy it, it, it makes it seem ten times better than it probably is. So there's maybe a, yeah. a bit of that thrown in there as well. And you can play tricks on yourself and think, I'm just such a good dad. That's why I like it. I'm just like the best dad <laughs> in the world. I think me and Jack have mentioned this before, that if you just lower your standards or have no expectations, then you won't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Have no expectations. Yeah, that's good. Have no, I think that's a good thing for... Any outlook like be quite stoic about things and don't have any expectation and then nothing will let you down and if, if anything it'll go the other way every single time. I didn't want to get into it too much but obviously you spoke about things that you didn't want to pass on to Gabe. Now when you were younger I've obviously known you a long long time and you were a bit of, what's a nice way of putting this without saying twat, a bit of a tear away. You just said twat. I didn't, yeah but I said it without saying so I didn't, do you know what I mean? Right. 
So you were a bit of a tearaway yeah. growing up, and I think your personality hasn't changed in the last like 15 years that I've known you in terms of who you are and what you stand for, but you're very much more disciplined now. And we obviously, we lived together in London for a year um, and we've we've stayed in contact so regularly for the last few years and stuff like that. And I see things like your diet, your exercise, your kind of your work and everything is kind of quite mm-hmm. structured now. You do a lot of kind of things with learning in terms of reading and podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What do you think that you need to do personally to keep your your kind of happiness kind of if you if you're gonna work out, you know that you need to go for a run or, or lift up mm-hmm. a weight. But what do you do personally to kind of exercise your mind to keep a certain level of happiness? That's a very good question. Yeah, because I do always say that a lot. I think there's a correlation between learning and teaching yourself new skills or new things and happiness. For, maybe not for everyone, but for me personally, I like to have some sort of little project on the go, or maybe a few. So throughout the day, I will need to read something, I'll need to listen to a podcast to and from work, or maybe in the gym or on a run. And I us- I do usually mix them up between something that's educational and something that's that's funny, but even funny podcasts can make you, can teach you something, because you think, oh, I've never seen it that way before, that's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, like you said then about work, probably just having a bit more pride in your work, which I didn't used to have, of how can I actually be good at this, not just sort of blag it. I think that's important. But yeah. It does feel like the last two years you've kind of flipped. You were kind of bouncing around from one job a couple of years and another job, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Like It, it was literally like someone had pulled the rug like and within a year we're like oh you've you've got your shit together haven't you and you've kind of like ticked all the boxes yeah well this goes back to reading i was reading i'm reading this book about human nature and there's little biases that exist in your mind and if you were being objective with yourself i was like oh i've got this and one of them is a blame bias so and i think we'll all probably be able to relate to this but like you said then take that example of jumping from job to job it's easy for me to say it's the job's fault, but if you were to look at my CV, there is a trend of I'll probably stay in a job for a year, move to another job, stay there for a year, move to another job, stay there for a year, and it's always the job's fault that I've moved on, but obviously that's not the case, and it's something in me that hits that year point and says, I've got to get out, you know, pull the parachute, I'm off. But do you think that was because you weren't happy in the job, or do you think that it was because there was something... Inside, you're saying I'm not happy doing this kind of thing, or do you know what I mean? Where was the the level at? I, I think I've I've wrestled in my life with. I had a very clear idea of who I was going to be when I was older, when I was about 13, and I started playing guitar, and I just thought, this is it. I'm just going to do this, and I thought I was going to grow up and be headlining Reading and Glastonbury and be like the most famous guitar player in the world. Naively, I thought that was just going to be it, and then. The the linear process of high school, college, university still sort of maintained that dream to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And then after university, I was kind of thrown into the corporate world and all of a sudden it started dawning on me that I wasn't becoming the person I thought I'd be. And that would ring in my head all the time. I'm not who I thought I would be, who I thought I was going to be all the time. Um, and then you look for things to blame and probably took it out on 
you know, uh, maybe not the employer, but the job itself. But I guess that's like what Sarah said before with your level of your level of expectation was Glastonbury pyramid stage. And then all you're getting is like a load of guys in suits in London. And you're like, well, Mm. this isn't the expectation. So it's not going to match up with the level of happiness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Was it quite hard to manage both, like carrying on with music alongside the office job? Did you have the same motivation? Um, I found it hard at first to keep it going. And in my head, I think I actually th- maybe had the thought of, oh, I suppose I'm just not going to do this anymore. And that was probably quite hard. So if we do flash forward, I feel like they have to coexist. That's obviously something that's the most important thing for me to do. It's almost like a muscle that I've got to work out, you know, be creative musically. Um, so I feel like I have to do it now whereas then maybe I neglected it and that probably impacted on my happiness but I think with with being creative as well it's like some days you'll wake up and you'll be like I don't want to go to the gym or for a run and then the second you finish it's not even halfway through or once you finish you're like I'm so glad I did that and then sometimes with you you'll be like I don't can't really be bothered playing guitar or Mm -hmm. writing anything and then you pick it up and you do it and then once you've created something there is like a release of happiness when you are being creative. Yeah, and I do it for that process. I think people, you know, like in, I don't know if you spoke about your band that you were in before, Jack, have you? Not yet. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to get onto that <laughs> one day. <laughs> so your band, if you were to look back on it, you probably all were in it for different reasons and the same with probably any band. But for me, it is, and probably for you as well, it's more about like the creative process is probably the most enjoyable bit. Yeah. So the actual making of something and hearing it back and going that sounds good I really like that is the bit I think it's you want to create and it's kind of like what Ricky you want to create some kind of art that you leave behind and at least some people go Mm. oh that was good and I I do I was saying the other day to Zora I think like some of the things we I look back in it and I'm like I'm not proud of that and that's the worst thing you can do because that leaves you with such a an unhappiness or a bitterness if you like there are some things I'm proud of and then some things I'm like I wish I hadn't done that but with anything in life it is kind of a learning experience that you you go through and then the, the closer you get you kind of learn what what kind of stuff makes you happy and what doesn't I think that as well and there's a lot of things when you said before about my tear away stage that I think if I think back on didn't I call it a twat stage okay no, tear I mean, away, I'm sorry. happy to call it a twat stage Jack I don't mind <laughs> um but I feel the same I think there's things that I regret and would not have done and would not have treated certain people certain ways but then also could you guarantee that you would know what you know now if you hadn't behaved that way well exactly it's kind of thing where you you like learn from the experiences and appreciate the happiness more well yeah that's right isn't it you, you know how it felt to be wrong and be ashamed of yourself so it's important so it's almost like a red flag if you ever skirt that border again to go like oh no don't do this again remember what it was like last time it is it's, it's those kind of things some people say why do the why do the same things keep happening to me and it's like because you're not learning the lessons like you've the, do you mm-hmm. know what i mean things are giving you lessons and i was listening to something the other day and um a guy was talking about happiness and kind of he was interviewing people and he said look the most terrible or the most traumatic things if we could take them away from you would you allow them to and 99% said no, because even though that was so hard or that was terrible, he was like, at least they got me to the person I am today or I'm at this stage now because of that. And the 1% that said yes, he said, there were such awful things that I would have taken them away from them if I could. So it was like, but even those people that were on the cusp 
were kind of thinking, oh, it's so hard because even that happened led to this and stuff like that. So as much yeah. as in the past you may have done things or made decisions that made you unhappy, at least have helped you because it kind of we were talking we were we were talking the other day and it is a level of when you're kind of eighteen, nineteen we're so blanketed by the education system that there's no fear of anything. And then when you get into your twenties you're like, Oh, this is the world. Oh, I'm gonna do amazing things. Yeah. And then if you don't do amazing things, then there's kind of that realisation that you've not lived up to your expectations. I think I, I expected someone to knock on the door and tell me I was a grown-up now. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't ever happen. Here's a key. Yeah. <laughs> you're a, you're a grown-up now. <laughs> That's it, you've passed. You're a grown-up. There's your certificate. It's like you have to experience those moments you're not so proud of to, to like, know not to do it again. And I think it's better to make those mistakes earlier rather than later. Yeah, that's very true. And then probably unpacking it and wondering why do I make those mistakes and why are these things built into me that I do similar types yeah. of things? Where does that come from? I think everyone should do a little bit of... Psychoanalyzing. Uh, yeah, a little bit and go back. And when was the first time that you felt the need to self-sabotage or um, binge you know, whatever it may be that's your, like, vice or something you're not proud of that you do, probably unpack why that is. And if you were really sat down and retraced it, there's probably a moment that, that led you to it, and I've had, to, I've had to do it. It is, and it's a form of therapy in itself, kind of going back and seeing why, and it's it can kind of be quite deep, but it's like, I heard something that people who hoard newspapers, if you go back to the first newspaper they found that day or that week or that month, like very close to that, something traumatic has happened in their life that's meant they're not going to let go of something. And it's like you do kind of need to address the situation. Some some of the, do you reckon the most impactful years of your life are from birth to six, which I can't remember really any of that time. No. But crazy that that's what your whole personality is built on that period of time. Like, you can become a narcissist from how your parents treat you when you learn to tie your shoes. Crazy. They say, show me the child at seven and I'll show you the, the adult. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a mad... Um, yeah, if, if you or anyone listening hasn't listened to um, any Gabo Mate, it's a real eye-opener of why you are the way you are. Really, for, for positive, the positive stuff as well, not just, not just the negative. It's easy for us to focus on the negative, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so obviously you want Gabe your son to grow up and be the happiest mm-hmm. you want him to be as happy as Larry what kind of things do you think knowing that obviously he's seven weeks old and you've got these next six seven years to make sure that you give the best parenting what kind of things do you want to show him and, and have you thought about how you're going to actually parent him without just saying oh we'll, we'll bath him at seven o'clock every night and we'll make sure he's got his milk do you like what kind of things have you thought of um I think being sorry, my dog's just come in. I think being um, being pre- present is probably <laughs> the, hello, mate. I think the important thing at this stage is being sort of present and not mm. being too smothering, but and also just being there. I think that's probably the most important thing for now. But do you ever feel like sometimes you don't want to? I, I it's not love him too much, but do you ever feel like I don't want to? It's a fine line. Do I show him too much love all the time or do I step back or do you know what I mean? Is there a healthy balance? I don't know all the answers. I don't want to come across like I do know all the answers, but if I think about it in my head, he just he has to know that I'm there and that I'm not going to judge him in any way if he 
does things wrong and I'm almost just there to help kind of steer the boat but where he wants to get off and explore he can do it free to do yeah just with on bands on yeah was that a was that a bad analogy sorry no 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 I got it I got it mate I want to I want to touch on briefly obviously you spoke about you you were an amazing musician and you're an incredibly creative human being Thank and you, you're working on something at the moment and I think this ties in well with what we're talking about kind of being happy as well because it's a creative process from what I know that's bringing happiness to you because you're allowing yourself to be so creative but it's not just music that you're creating to rock out to at, at Reading Festival like you said can you like just chat a little bit about that yeah so I've got an album coming out under the uh, the alias is Sleep Surgeon um, and it's a mix of electronic music that's played through a kind of a keyboard and also guitars and pianos and stuff but all put together to create kind of an ambient ethereal sound designed to give you almost like a, a mood reset um so you could use it to meditate to you could use it to run to you could use it to study to you could use it to just get through a task and keep focused um but yeah it's an album designed for that because i don't know if you do this but when i was at university if i was studying or now if i'm doing paperwork or something it's almost like get a playlist up that's under the umbrella of like a mood or a feel so you might type in study or you you know you type something and then you just go through the playlist and i thought wouldn't it be nice if that was just the project rather than being about me and look how good i am and why what kind of what brought you that idea like where did why did you want to do that um i just i think when i hear music there's a process amount of it would be nice to have one of those you know like um, that feeling of like i wish i'd wrote that i wish i'd come up with that i'll come up with something like that i want to have one of those yeah and yeah i've listened to many sort of chilled ambient playlist and thought i'm just gonna write a few tunes like this and started off with a couple and when did you when did you start making this album christmas so I, I was just wondering whether the fact that you were having a baby sort of influenced the music you decided to make compared to maybe the kind of music that you used to make before i probably had a bit more time to to do it before the baby came um, i guess you saw it as like the future like my whole life is gonna change in four or five months time now is the time to just whatever I need to do for me, it's for me because going forward, I guess. I think you might be right, too, because there's a lot of projects that I've got on my on my computer that never, ever got finished. And, I'll, and they, they're even called things like finish this and come back to this, and I just never, ever do. I'll probably never <laughs> open them again. Um, and it's sort of... <laughs> One called Remember Me. <laughs> <laughs> and it sort of spurred me on to finish something which is, is a task in itself with creative people. You might have the initial idea of actually doing the last brush stroke and saying, right, that's done. That's that's quite hard. Do you find you're spending your time more wisely and more productively now that you have a child? Yes, and you have to have a... Um, go through it in your head. Have I got time to go for a run? No. Okay, so there will be no running today. Have I got time to... You kind of go... You've got to be more objective with the time. When I look back now on times when I've shared with you, Jack, for instance, that was an incredible amount of like free time, a whole weekend to yourself. 
crazy. I'd go mad, I think. What would you do with that now? <sighs> well, if we go back to my list, <laughs> if we go back to my list in my head, I'd probably be done with it all by the end of Saturday. So what what would I do on yeah. Sunday? Go mad. Mate, it's crazy. The last time we had a conversation, we were on the phone for an hour, and we're having these kind of insightful chats about kind of life and happiness and about how things affect us as a kid. And then at the end, we were like, when did we grow up? Can we just like... Can we joke about dicks for a minute or something like that? We yeah. were like, what has happened to us? Well, me and you had a good, like, really, really be horrible to each other type relationship as well, don't we? Yeah. And we haven't done that for a while. No. Hopefully, hopefully it's in the past now that you're a father. Those days are long some gone. Some things never change, though, do they? Something never change. Yeah, I think we've both gone down a bit of an introspective journey recently, Jack, haven't we? Because we're on a journey to find Larry. That's what, that's what it is. That's it. We're finding Larry. I think we've worked out... You've definitely got, you've got three kids, so we're going to say, I'll, I'll give Larry three kids. Three okay. kids, that sounds stressful. I reckon maybe just the one newborn at a push. Yeah. And he's not got any free time by the sound of it, so we've got to find out what his hobbies are. <laughs> thank you for joining us today, you're an absolute legend. Yeah, thank you so much, it's been really interesting to hear your perspective. Oh, thanks for having me. It was beautiful to hear you, you talk about the kids and getting insight into the, the mind of a father and that kind of ecstatic moment that will one day hopefully come to us all thanks for listening guys i'm jack frimston i'm sarah tabar and next week it's all about the music we're gonna work out if larry is a keen gig goer or if he'd be singing kumbaya around the campfire do 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 do